This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I am your weapons master, Richard Marquez, and joined with me is trainee... Weapons trainee uh, uh, Amy Nelson and Torpedo Man Justin Ozer. How you guys doing? Doing great and looking forward to getting my training complete. So you guys are have a huge task to inform me and let me know of all of these weapons going on. Wait, wait, wait! Don't don't give it away! Don't get away! Oh darn it! That's why I'm the trainee. Ah. Can't trust me with anything. How you doing over there, Justin? I'm good, but did I get demoted? You know, in the role-playing game, I was a lieutenant. So what is going on here? Uh, think of it as a as a secondary job. There you go. Okay, I, I could try to accept that. but <laughs> <laughs> No, but you are the weapons master of the three of us, for sure. But before we go into that, we have some exciting news that I don't know if I could keep Justin down from not talking about it. So I think we need to uh, say <laughs> something about it. So Justin, what is the big news? Yeah, well, of course, listeners might remember that uh, Amy and I were there at Star Trek Las Vegas this year when it was announced by Patrick Stewart there will be a new Picard series. And there have been like little bits of, of news that have come out, but I think something really significant I make, wanted to make sure listeners were aware of and that we talk about a little bit here is they're basically saying they're going to start shooting on the show in the spring and release the first episodes late 2019, which I take to mean December, a year from now. So I think that's really exciting. We didn't know how long it would take. Uh, I think we're all really excited about the the series and that it'll be just a, a year away is fantastic. I'm just so excited about it to see new 24th century Trek. How about you, Amy? Yeah, like I said, we were there and the excitement that overcame the entire convention, like mm-hmm. it was wildfire and everyone was just amped up. And and so to have this actual debut time frame is so, so, so exciting. I don't want to think that late means December. Mm-hmm. I want late to be September. But That would be nice, probably, but I think yes. that it's possibly more likely that it's December because if the shooting schedule is anything like Discovery like for season two I think they started shooting in April of this year and it premieres in January so you know there's a little seven eight nine month little window that it takes so yeah absolutely I would love it if it was sooner but I do want them to take their time but we can we can get there 
right? <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, it's not a specific date, but just saying, you know, late 2019, sure, it could be moved a little bit. But I mean, they've been doing, it was announced four months ago, they've been doing stuff in the writer's room for a couple of months now, where we've seen there was even an image of Patrick Stewart in the writer's room, uh, you know, being engaged there. And so they've been working on it for a while. So I think it's not too long before we'll get casting announcements and have an idea of what it's like and shooting and trailers and all that kind of stuff next year. So I think that's super exciting. What do you think, Richard? Yes. I'm definitely excited uh, for it. Uh, I mean, just like Discovery, I'm not, you know, pitting all my hopes on it or, you know, or expecting, uh, you know, anything, but... Yeah, um, it should be uh, quite exciting uh, to get another series be- besides Discovery. And, um, yeah, hopefully um, they do a fantastic job. I mean, as always, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be the first series to premiere with 24th Century stuff since Voyager in 1995. So it's been a while since we've had time to look forward to a premiere of 24th Century Trek. So I think it's... I'm excited just for that. I don't know what they'll do, but I think I'll love it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, and and uh, and listeners, you know, we wanted to just put that in there because we haven't really talked about it very much for the last four months. But certainly, as there's more news or things that we want to talk about, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit here and keep you informed. Well, that's exciting. So, and I'm like, we can't wait until that uh, that uh, premieres and actually be, uh, gets released. So until, until then we'll just have to wait and speculate. So, uh, but before then, or, or until then, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about something that Amy, I'm sure really loved. I mean, yes, let's continue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so obviously she's excited. I can't hold her down either. <laughs> but um, we're going to be talking about. Uh, so th- we're going to talk about the Babel Conference feedback from Earl Gray two uh, two five five. That would be badass Troy moments, or um, for or or other words known as um, Amy's favorite episode. <laughs> yes, we could do a whole nother episode with the comments that we got. So very happy that the listeners commented and uh, shared are you, your badass Troy are, are you saying we should be doing like postcards for the, just for this specific episode? <laughs> just for this one, yes. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, well, before we do that show, Justin, <laughs> why don't you start us off? Yeah, so uh, Lewis Adams says, Great listen. I'm glad you included Voyager moments in there. I agree with what was said. Troy is an underrated character. It was mentioned that she would be a good captain, and I agree with that. I think it would be an interesting development if Troy is to factor into the Picard series. Yeah, so thank you for that comment, Lewis. Uh, (laughs) I think as you could tell from the episode, like the very first thing was a Voyager pick from Richard, and I had my own Voyager picks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were just really happy to do that and, and just like break the boundaries of TNG because Troy is more, more than just that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I had mentioned she'd be a good captain. That would be great. It would be great if Troy is in the new Picard series, but I'm not really having any expectation because mm-hmm. like for that series, uh, if it's Picard and some new characters that will come to know and love, I am totally good with that. So, I mean, it would be great, but if not, I won't be disappointed. Although I'm sure Amy would be over the moon if there was Troy in the Picard series, right? Yeah, consistently. I mean, I can see cameo appearances mm. from everyone. And, you know, of course, I would love if Marina Sirtis was there. But uh, I don't really see her being a main character, yeah. but definitely some cameos. Mm. I That would just 
Yeah. I'd be elated. If there is a cameo, the first time that she does, you will hear Amy all the way from Las Vegas, all the way around yes. the world. <laughs> squealing and shouting and... No one yes. panic, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, let's not get your hopes up too much. Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rob Chapman said, great episode as always. Here are some of my top Troy badass moments. Troy standing up to Commander Torith in face of the enemy. Troy taking the helm and landing the Enterprise D as safely as possible in generations. And Troy facing her attacker head on and using Shinzon's telepathic violation of her as a weapon against him to enable the crew to defeat him. All great picks. I especially appreciate landing the Enterprise D as a badass moment because I truly believe that. And I think in your uh, comments, you were talking like about Shinzon's telepathic violation and how it was her choice. She wasn't asked to do that, that she volunteered. And that just makes that an even more badass moment. So thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Uh, we'll be sending you your membership card in the Troy Safely Landed the Enterprise D Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is me and Amy and you and some others. <laughs> Yeah, Bill and Dan from Trek Geeks are not yeah. in this club. <laughs> Along with a number of others, but yep. I'm amongst good company. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, just messing. I'm just messing. Come on, let, let's, let's keep Amy happy here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> well, uh, Kay uh, Frick said, uh, great discussion on some of the best uh, Troy moments. I'm so glad that you included the Voyager episodes. They are my favorite for her. And I completely agree with that because they're one of my favorites too. Because, you know, really, well, mostly because I love that uniform that she's in. I mean, mostly that's what yeah. I really <laughs> love about it. But, I mean, but, but put that aside. I mean, she really did a good job on both of those episodes that are in Voyager. So All three episodes. All three, three that's what I meant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fant it's fantastic, yeah. Um, I, I mean, we already said it, but it, it it's so good, and I'm so glad she was on Voyager, and they they used her so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Stefan Ringline says, "Great episode. Some badass moments I wouldn't have thought of." One of my personal badass moments for her that came to my mind is from The Price at the very end when she uncovers the cheater Rawl and his game. Troy is a great character and Marina Sirtis is a great actress. You know, Stefan, that's a great pick that we didn't even think about. And that's the episode where there are these negotiations for this Barzan wormhole. And there's this, he's a betazoid, right? Mm. Uh, yes. Rawl? Yeah. The negotiator. Yeah. Um, and she uncovers what he's doing <laughs> and he loses out in the end so definitely mm -hmm. great moment Big time, yeah. yeah it is that's a great pick and yeah i did not remember that so great to have that so now that justin uh was able to get his great news out and now amy's gotten their great news out now it's my <laughs> turn <laughs> so um as we told you guys last uh last episode uh in uh what we're gonna do for this week uh we're definitely uh, we're we're, def we're we're doing weapons of tng now it, it, obviously this is a very very broad subject so we're gonna be <laughs> yeah. we're gonna try to you know wrangle this as much as we can or as best we can so um so i guess we're just well i guess a discussion is what we're really what we're yeah. gonna be doing i mean we can't talk about every weapon but we can talk about certain aspects or questions because yeah i was looking on memory alpha there's 
in Star Trek hundreds and hundreds of different weapons and things. And yeah, yeah and we're just going to talk about TNG, not stuff that only appears outside of it, right? Well, I mean, or yeah. maybe you will. Yeah, mm. I mean, for the most part, I mean, they're all in the same universe. I mean, everything from TNG Beyond would be yeah, or at least in the, Although, in the same time frame. It's amazing how many weapons Voyager has because I was like looking some of them up and I'm like, there's another one from Voyager and another one from Voyager and another one from Voyager. <laughs> so that was that was quite interesting. Yeah. Well, at least we know that uh, Voyager was well armed. So, or and facing some well armed adversaries too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you think of weapons, what do you think of when it comes to TNG? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting bef- because before I was thinking about this this topic, if I think of weapons on TNG, like one of the big things that I think about is the phaser. You know, the handheld mm-hmm. phasers that they have. Um, you know, and that's an evolution from what you see in in the original series. Um, but like w- one of the things I think that affects the feel of Star Trek just in general, because I think this is fairly consistent across all the iterations is that you have these weapons that on the federation side just talking about now that that can harm and kill people but there's also a stun setting which is something like in in our own world that we don't really have quite the the equivalent or in quite a cleans maybe not the word but like quite an effective way where it's like you can just stun someone they're disabled they're unconscious you're there's no threat from them for a while so I think it's an interesting, I know Richard would probably have some, our weapons master has some things to add, but these are just my thoughts for now that you can correct me on. But, but like that, for me, that, that affects it because like when we think of weapons in our own world, like if they're used, like someone is, is getting like harmed in some way, sometimes permanently or killed or whatever. So that's actually the first thing that comes to mind. They have a stun setting and then it's the Federation policy to set things on the stun setting so you can stun people and, and only kill them if you have to. So... That, that's just my first thought. Obviously, anyone can be killed by a non-lethal weapon. And what I mean by non-lethal is beanbags, rubber bullets, mm-hmm. uh, CS gas. Those, the ones that electrocute you. Oh, you kind of tasers? Tasers. Ta- yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun experience mm. <laughs> to get tased. <laughs> or you could use tasers too. I mean, there's, there's. I mean, obviously, anyone can die from those, uh, those as well. Obviously, taser, heart attack, you know, rubber bullets. Yeah. It could penetrate the skin, and same thing with beanbags. It ca- can cause actual damage depending on how close you are. Mm. But like, um, I mean, no, and, and I, I, I get it. You know, it's, it would be nice to be able to switch ammo like that and create a non-lethal versus lethal and all that kind of stuff uh, at, at, at will. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. and, um, and you could just it'd be like a setting on, on the actual weapon, but unfortunately, you have to have you have to carry multiples. So, um, yeah. But yeah, but I mean that's something that's different in Star Trek, where it seems like pretty much they have a guaranteed method, a non-lethal method to just stun you or disable you and deal with you that way. Right? Well, that's definitely so that affects the, how I that's think definitely about the it. benefit of having an energy weapon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it could uh-huh. be a low setting like shock versus. Uh-huh. A high beam that'll just take off your limbs or something like that. I mean, I guess that's that's probably right. yeah the good thing about energy weapons. Yeah, because you can modulate the energy. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. But when I think of weapons, it's very clean. Is or at least when it, when we talk about Federation, it's it's a very clean um, look uh, for their weapons. I don't think mm-hmm. you ever really see them dirty. I mean, uh, I. <laughs> 
I I think I think probably there's there may be a few places in in DS9, but overall, yeah, yeah. it looks like they've just like polished and cleaned their weapon. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. In, in, well, obviously, we're talking about TND, not DS9, but yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're right. No, we see it. We see dirty weapons in T- DS9, but not TNG. <laughs> <laughs> not really, and and, and uh, yeah, and and I assume like they've just like taken it off whatever charger that they have, and they're like, okay, ready to go. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's a it's yeah. a very like clean kind of thing, I guess, in in that way. But I mean, it can still do a lot of damage at the highest setting. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. So yeah, Amy. <laughs> yeah. So when I think about weapons of TNG, of course, the first one that comes to mind is the hand phaser. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you know, as I was thinking about this, I own not everyone is issued. A phaser is under, that's the assumption that I'm under. I mean, we have families on board. Yeah. So it's only those who need to have access. And I like that. And I like that, that yeah. how it feels safe on board. And um, when they go to specific missions, that's only then when we see the rifles the phaser rifles. So yeah. everything can be handled with a phaser most of the time. Um, and I like that, that they have those different settings. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the different types of phasers, but you know, I have a hand phaser replica. Oh, I was yes, gonna it say. doesn't work like in Star Trek, right? I'm not Trek, supposed right? to say it's a toy, <laughs> but you know, I thought you were going to say I was like just phaser. Given like, you one. phaser? <laughs> wow. Well, I was just given one actually this year. As you know, uh, I have a huge collection at school and people keep giving me stuff and I got one this year. Is it like the so bigger I'm very happy. the bigger one? Like the what, Yeah, type it's two? the type two okay. phaser. Mm-hmm. And um the the, the <clears throat> Dustbuster one? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually by our associate producer, Norm Lau. So oh, uh, nice. props to him. Um Uh, But one thing that I always, every single time, I can't help it, but I'm like, when they have, when they grab for their rifle or phaser, I'm like, is that Velcro? How is it? Because those uniforms have no pockets and it always, I'm like, is it a belt? Is it? It seems to come from nowhere, but, but you do. I know it does. I think you do see, maybe it's a little inconsistent, but I think there are some seasons where you do see they have like a little kind of pouch on the side, one for a tricorder and one for a phaser. Um, like a utility, is it a belt or is it just like pockets velcroed I on? I think there's I a know. belt. I, I, Cause like, I don't remember seeing a belt on, on, cause I, I yeah. whenever right. I think maybe, of like someone holstering it, it's, it's Riker. It's, it's you know what? Like maybe, a, maybe I'm thinking of DS9 because definitely on DS9, they have like a little like pocket on the side, one for the tricorder and one for the phaser. And like Kira and her Bajoran uniform definitely has a pocket for her phaser. Maybe I'm thinking of that. Well, I know yeah. that they have like these little cups, you know, like it goes in, like the little holsters. A cup holder. But I never can see how is it, how is it staying on their uniforms? Anyways, that's just me and my thing. But yeah. every time I see it, I'm I'm always looking. I'm like, how how is that? Um, magnets. But another. Th- oh, go ahead. <laughs> magnets. Magnets. <laughs> oh, magnets. That could be. That really could be. Um, and another thing that um, 
is interesting to me that I think about like when you're, you know, comparing to what we have now, um, like with a gun, you have to have bullets and there is X number. So you're going to run out. But with these phasers and these energy things, like does, are they ever going to expire? Yes. I mean, I think it, it's not very often that you see it because it can take a while, but I think there are I don't know if there's even references in TNG, but definitely elsewhere in Star Trek, it can get drained. So I assume mm. it's almost like our cell phones and iPads and devices like that now, like you have to charge it at night <laughs> after you use it. But I mean, it, but yeah, it is the kind of thing, like as long as it has charge to it, it can keep discharging energy for a certain period of time. I don't know how long, but yeah. I would assume it's, I mean, it's yeah. the same as DS9 that we that we see, you know, uh, that they handed out battery packs or, Energy packs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was There's it, like a little energy did pack. Did they call it yeah. energy packs oh, or battery energy packs? Oh, the energy packs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Energy Was packs. It? Yeah. Okay, there you go. I mean, in DS9, they have like those weapons lockers, so I wonder if they get charged in there kind of thing, maybe. I don't know. And another thing that I like is the continuous beam, that it's not pew, 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 you know? <laughs> so yeah. I like that it's a beam, you know, that you can fire... And, you know, like, because they use it to close or open doors, you know, or to blow up rocks to get a passageway. Like, that continuous beam, I think, is, I I really like that aspect. It's also the most uh, non-tactical thing to do, too. Well, but but, but one thing I want to point out is that it's also one of the more unrealistic aspects of Star Trek. Because when you have, like, an energy beam like that, if you think about it like a laser beam, like a laser pointer that you might have in a classroom, you don't see, like, a big, long red beam. You don't see anything until it actually hits the screen, until it hits something in between, and you see, like, the little red dot on the screen. So Well, unless you've got that... Uh, smoke. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's the that's the exception. If you have like smoke or fog or something like that to hit it, you would see that continuous beam. But like in a you know a, a clear environment where there isn't that thing, you wouldn't actually see it that way. You would just see it when it hit the target. But mm-hmm. for us as viewers, like you can see like where it's going or what's happening, right? But actually, that would not happen in real life. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, but I like that too. It's kind of yeah that but for the the federation phaser you can see it's like this this continuous beam yeah yeah and i think that was one of the criticisms from uh the new kelvin timelines was that their guns were pew 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 yeah you know yeah i mean although there's possibly there's possibly an argument to be made that if you had it that way as opposed to the continuous beam it would drain it uh faster yeah it would drain it faster if it's a continuous beam (laughs) but right but yeah it's different than what you see in like TOS and TNG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have, I know this is off topic because we're not standard orbit, but um, I did last year get one of those guns from Into Darkness, the one that mm. spins around. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The the metallic one or the plastic one? Uh-huh. Oh, it's it's plastic well no 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 it's i mean like toy. so the, pla- the the one i'm talking about is they have there's two versions of it obviously there's the booby replica and then there's the other one that's like it's got it's like blue and orange blue and red or because it switch switches no, 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 around no, 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 no. Whether i mean you're the actual on... the body okay. of it is blue not the uh it's silver so it's the movie version Color. or movie replica yeah yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was just like, because I I have the uh, the the it's basically a kid's toy 
for the movie. Uh-huh. You know, it's you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like forty bucks and or something like that. It came with a tricorder or something like that. But like, yeah, where the movie version's like, that's <laughs> a lot. So, yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like what we tend to think about first is the hand phaser, especially the the bigger one. There is also the type one that's like the small palm one that you tend to see more in early seasons of, of TNG, where it's like the, the little one. But yeah. I, I don't know if um, I've mentioned this before, but interesting thing on TOS with like, they, they have the type two phaser, which is the one that you usually see, but then inside of it, there's like a little type one that you rarely see. There's mm-hmm. actually like one inside of the other, which I think is an interesting it's idea. It's the type one phaser that you see in TNG. Yeah. It's like, yeah, built pretty in. much, pretty much that it's built in mm-hmm. there, but it, it's mm-hmm. not built in in the same way in TNG where the type one's inside the type two, I think. Right. 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 Yeah. Where, yeah. But, but I, I just think so. That's when did they start using the type two, the fancier one? Do we know? When you say fancier, do you mean the TNG one? The one with the handle. The one that has the buttons. The buttons. Are you talking about the or, handheld from TOS, or are you talking about the? Okay, so on our outline, okay. it says type two phaser, yeah. and there's two images. Oh yeah, yeah. That that, that that's okay. So the first one is. Uh, from earlier, I think from first season, and the second one is from third season. It's still a type two, but they just redesigned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so third season on is that's that's the one. That's that the I'm one that you tend to think of as is, is yeah, yeah the one that has like the little buttons that you press, yeah, or mm-hmm. more buttons, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So that's a nifty little thing. <laughs> it is kind of nifty, and it looks it looks pretty interesting. It, yeah. yeah. I wonder what I wonder what they designed that off of. I mean, obviously we joke and it's it's looks like a dustbuster when you look at it, but I mean, I wonder if that was the actual, you know, if that was the inspiration. inspiration. <laughs> yeah, because a dustbuster existed back then, right? In the early nineties. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't mm. handheld. <laughs> 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 or was it handheld? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, off topic. You know, we're not talking about clean supplies. Wow. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> dustbusters. <laughs> You know, but I've always been impressed with the uh, phaser rifle. Yeah. And I think that they are pretty awesome looking. And Mm -hmm. it seems like so much more powerful. Did they have settings on that one as well? Or is that just one? Oh, that one Mm -hmm. did as well? Yep. I think it had different settings too. Just like the the phaser. Yeah. I think I want to say that um, that thing has an actual... um, on the front, uh, it has a front side and a back side post. And what I mean by post, I mean like, um, oh, like uh, a grip. sights. No, 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 sights. Oh, oh, the sights. So okay, aim, yeah. You know, sort of like a sniper mm-hmm. sort of thing, but uh, yeah. but you could aim it longer, I guess. A marksman. And I think it has it has different settings because you could have the continuous beam, you could have like the bolt that comes out, and you could also have mm-hmm. what they call the expanding energy pulse, which I think you see in DS9 mm-hmm. when they're like searching for the founders. There's like this energy pulse that they can just. Yeah, it's it's much more powerful. It seems like for those serious situations or for combat, really, where they, yeah, where it's like ground combat or something. It seems like, right? Yeah, and it seems like that these phaser rifles that they are more locked up, that they are, you know, in cabinets or that they're in the little suitcase that Picard's gonna go haywire with, and <laughs> you know, so he's gonna grab these phaser rifles, but like they yeah. seem to be less accessible, whereas it's, phasers are like, okay, let me just go get a phaser. Yeah, it does seem a little more locked down. 
Well, I guess it it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of goes in line with you know like security officers like well obviously in the real world that is you know having pistols yeah. versus you know a, 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 a rifle is far more intimidating than um, mm-hmm. a pistol is or because you know you don't want to mess you know it's sort of like you don't want to mess with those guys over there you know but you still don't want to mess with them but I'm just saying you don't want to mess with them at all <laughs> they've got <laughs> yeah. that rifle uh, that's slinged on them so uh, for sure. Um, I mean that's or at least that's how I see it. I mean th- that's how I see the uh, the rifle. I mean obviously it's more you know it's yeah like you said you know it's more for ground combat, and you yeah. know you're only you know, that you're expecting you know to basically take fire and yeah. yeah. And I think I think it's something we actually rarely see in in TNG, mm-hmm. especially during the the seven seasons. But you see a lot more in DS Nine as they get into the war, right? It's more like well, one a, thing that I noticed that the phaser rifles tend to be not tend to, but a few times they have been part of the Mm storyline where, you know, oh, well, we we have these Federation laser rifles, and so we're selling to one side or the other that they're getting them illegally and, you know, without, you know, Starfleet or Federation's knowledge. And it's like that seems to be more in line with the plot of an episode versus the phaser is more of a prop, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Because there's been a couple times when it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's why, like, New Ground, I'm thinking, it's like, mm-hmm. no, we don't like you, Federation, because you're supplying, you know, the other side with weapons, and they're like, no, we're not. And they're like, yeah, because here they are, and <laughs> open up a big case of phaser rifles. Yep. And, oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I like that they're used that way. Is it, yeah. I mean, for, for the, plot. For plot the story. Point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know, Federation weapons are obviously not the only ones that are in uh, TNG. Um, so, do you guys see? I mean, I, I mean, obviously, every uh, every non-Federation weapon that we see seems to have a theme. You know, obviously, you know, all of them look the same, pretty much. Uh, you know, the bigger the bigger the weapon gets, you know, it, it kind of look it kind of reflects their ship, um, or at least, or at least that's mm-hmm. what I've noticed. Um, but like. Are there important differences between Federation and non-Federation weapons, um, including the types and how they're used, or, 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 or do you guys see a di- obviously you see a difference, but, <laughs> but with like when it cut when they're being used, that is. Yeah, I mean, be- besides the design, I think for a lot of them, there's this special class of weapons. So they're not phasers. A lot of them are disruptors, which I think it's, we're taken to mean that it's can be much more powerful. Oftentimes. They don't have or want to use a stun setting. It's really about harming you or, or killing you. So, I think it really impacts what you see as their as their philosophy toward those things. It's not like, you know, try to stun and not kill. It's like we need to do some damage in this situation. And the disruptor is kind of a a special special designation of weapon. I don't know if it's really explained on screen, but I always took it to mean like the the phaser is directing energy at you in order to like disable you with the stun setting or maybe it'll you know kill you because it'll disrupt your functions well maybe disrupts not the right word it'll it'll just interfere with make your heart stop or whatever right but i feel like with the disruptor a lot of times it's about really doing some serious damage to like disrupt your whole system or disintegrate you <laughs> that's what it seems like yeah yeah, and Richard, what a great point. I don't know why I never saw it, but you are right. Those uh, disruptors, 
mirror their ship. I totally love that. I mean, <laughs> looking at does, the Romulan. It? It the Romulan one and the it Klingon does. one. That Romulan disruptor, that is so Romulan. And the Klingon, like, it. that is a great point. I'm going to enjoy weapons so much more when I watch TNG. <laughs> um, one thing I remember, uh, the DVD sets that came out for TNG before the Blu-ray, so the DVD, and they had those extra features, and I can still remember them talking and how they were building the prop uh, for the Klingon disruptor. And like they were brushing it to make it look more worn and not as clean and crisp as mm. the Federation because the Klingons, that their weapons were older and, you know, had more use, obviously, with the Klingons and stuff. But I, whenever I see the Klingon, I'm like, how does to me it just doesn't even look like it would work it that's probably <laughs> the most fake and unrealistic one i really like the romulan ones but the klingon ones i'm so sorry for a, a ray gun or whatever phaser gun it just it doesn't work for me mm. i don't see how it works and i think for i'm trying to remember for those klingon disruptors i think we first really see them in star trek 3 um, so it's not something that's introduced in TNG, but yeah, it, it does seem like something. And I always wonder about these things, including the phaser, like, you know, it's only so big and yet it's harnessing this incredible amount of power. Like, how is it that it harnesses that power? How is it that, you know, it doesn't like heat up and burn your hand when you use it because it's just so powerful. That's, that's what I wonder, but I, I could see that about the, the Klingon one. It just, and, and, and I think even in, the early episode, Heart of Glory, like they put together a Klingon disruptor from like a few pieces they have like in their uniform. That's right. So it's like, oh, a couple spare parts leads to this immensely powerful disruptor. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know which episode you're talking about. Yeah, they give yeah. us all the, uh, all the security. You know, every time I think of that, it's, um, what is that movie uh, with Kevin Costner where uh, he's trying to save the president um, and the guy makes the weapons mm. out of plastic? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember the uh, movie. The one with, uh, that has John Malkovich in it, doesn't it? What's that? Has John Malkovich in it? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he gets past like the metal detector because like the 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 gun is made of something non-metallic and then he has like the bullets inside this little thing that the like, rabbit, it's like a little uh, the rabbit's, rabbit's foot, foot thing. Like yeah, yeah. And, and so it can he just puts it aside like it's coins from his pocket. You couldn't do that today, but you could do it back then. <laughs> right. So yeah, I think about that too, like trying to get through the security with something that wouldn't expect. Man, yeah. I hope I hope the aliens that we meet out there don't don't watch some of our movies. <laughs> <laughs> They're like that's in the line of in fire. The line of in the fire. line of fire. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. I, yeah, I don't remember seeing that. That's a great yeah. movie. That's a great movie. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about that. So no, but like when when you yeah, because when I whenever I look at like the Romulan disruptor, obviously it looks very sleek and it's small. It. It, it's very well, except it has this big, like, open loop for you to grip, but the rest of it's kind of. But yeah. that's what I love because it almost <laughs> sort of protects your hand from getting, you know, it's a defense, I think, and mm-hmm. it mirrors their. Oh ship. yeah, exactly. And, and well, in what I mean, I, I meant the disruptor, not the rifle. But like, you know, I mean, regardless, I mean, the rifle is compact and small, and you know, yeah. if you had a jacket on, you could easily conceal that. I mean, or at least. That's what it looks like. Oh, I mean, the Romulan disruptor right. rifle. Yeah. Right. Whereas yeah. like the Klingon disruptor, it's like it it's it's a mirror of their ship. I mean, it's it <laughs> looks it looks intimidating. It looks it looks like a smuggler's weapon is what it looks like. I mean, we obviously when we see we we hear about, 
you know, smugglers in Star Trek. I can't think of episodes off the top of my head, but you always see like a Klingon destructor or um, yeah. you see something Klingon. <laughs> Apparently they're ready and available. So, you know, they're just lying around. Yeah. I mean, in fact, let me see. I think it's the DS9 episode where O'Brien is undercover and has to do with the Orion Syndicate. I can't think of the name, but they're dealing in Klingon disruptors, oh, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Apparently, oh my God, I can't believe I can't. Or, I'm sorry, they're easy to get a hold of. Easy to get a hold but of. Broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Broken. Yeah. O'Brien, can you fix these Klingon weapons? Oh, let me see what I can do. No problem. They're all broken. <laughs> <laughs> they're all broken. Yeah. Um, what did the. Uh, one of the things, that, so I, so before we started the episode, uh, one of the things that I always quote when I'm, uh, whenever I talk about Honor Among Thieves, that's the name of the episode, sorry. Is it? Oh, okay, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that is right. Yeah, it is Honor Among Thieves, that's right. Um, whenever I, uh, I talk about like d- the differences between Romulan, Klingon, and Federation, I always think of, okay, this is outside TNG, but this uh, I think of Return to Grace, um, DS9 mm-hmm. to Return to Grace. And there's a moment in that episode where Wait, how have you gone that far, Amy? You have. What season is uh, it? That I think it's be... season four. Oh, then I've seen it. If it's season yeah. four, let me see. But you'll have to four, refresh my memory. I'm not 14. that good. Okay, with so Zial and uh, Kira are on the Klingon Bird oh. of Prey, and she's showing her how to use the weapon, the Klingon disruptor. Yes, yes, I have and seen that. Yeah. And she's showing her the difference between a Federation compression rifle and a Romulan um, yes. dis- disruptor rifle or whatever it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I always I, I always talk about is like if we're talking about t- today, you know, obviously the United States is the Federation and everywhere else is the Klingon and Romulans. So um, wow, that's an interesting statement. <laughs> okay. Well, when you when you talk about when you talk about ships and you talk about weapons and all that kind of stuff, because the reason why I say it like that is because she makes a great point in there. It's like um, the Federation rifle is accurate and it's consistent, mm. but it, mm-hmm. the second it gets dirty, the second it, it malfunctions, it's useless. It's a club, basically. Whereas, Maybe that's why we only see them clean. <laughs> they, yeah. they have to toss it when it gets too dirty. Hold, hold on, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it's the but it's the same thing with the standard issued M4 and M16 that the United States and most of the NATO countries. Uh, um, uh, use it's the same thing you mm. get that thing dirty it's useless it's probably one of mm. the most accurate rifles out there but it's useless when you get it dirty and whereas a klingon and disruptor it's durable it's reliable it may not be the most accurate but it's reliable and mm. that's the same okay. thing mm. with the rest of the world like the ak-47 interesting which is one weapon where you could drop it into a puddle of, well maybe not a puddle of mud but dirty water <laughs> you couldn't do that with an m4 because it wouldn't really fire but if you drop it oh, into water and then pick it up, you could probably, you could sh- more likely will it will shoot. Mm-hmm. So huh, interesting. Yeah, just just little hmm. weapons knowledge <laughs> nice. from Return to Grace. Um, but yeah, that's hmm. that's how I, uh, I mean, that's how I picture. I mean, maybe not the Romulan, but that's how I picture the Klingon Destructor is. Um, it's it's a very reliable weapon, but it's not really accurate. But I don't think that's what the Klingons hmm. are looking for. They're just trying to create as much damage as they can. Mm. So mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. 
So can we talk about the Ferengi whip? <laughs> Since we yeah. saw that in uh, season yeah, that is, one. That is one that we put on here, the Ferengi energy whip. What kind of design? I mean, who would have thought that? I mean, that doesn't even seem like you're going to be accurate to have this whip thing go and even hit something I don't know. I just, Maybe the Ferengi in the 24th century have a fantasy that they're like the 24th century Indiana Jones with the whip. And <laughs> it's weird. I'm like, because that whip is going to come back around at you and you don't want it firing at you. Well, no, I'm no, like, no. The way, just... the way that it works is they have this coiled whip and out of the whip comes the energy discharge. I know. Right? And the coilness of it makes it go everywhere. The whip in oh. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Like, how does it, maybe, is there a button, like, that he presses? I don't know. It just seems so inaccurate. <laughs> I would love to meet the and... people who actually could time that perfectly so you can exactly. whip it out and actually hit someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird weapon. Without you getting shot at the, while you're whipping it around. <laughs> but I guess they do have bullwhip contests where they can, you know, snatch things and knock things off. And yeah. Where's that at? So, I mean, I guess... <laughs> In the I'm West. Just I'm just I, 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 I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the, a whip can be accurate, but it just seems, my goodness, that's just a crazy design. I don't know who ever thought of that. I mean, it's uh, but, creative. Uh, it's interesting. It's for sure creative. It is yeah. very creative. It's, it's creative and different, but I mean, it's as intimidating as like the Ferengi look themselves. It's just weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, I don't know how much we'll talk about it, but I mean, there are all kinds of different like hand weapons that uh, that are used, including laser weapons and other kinds of things. And there's ship-based weapons and stuff. I don't know how much you want to go into some of that stuff, Richard. Oh, we could definitely go into that. I mean, we, um, we don't have to dip into it too much. I mean, obviously, obviously, the focus of Star Trek when it when it deals with weapons is energy weapons. But obviously, we have mm-hmm. handheld weapons like the Klingons, which well, which we always see, which. I personally love that. Oh, you mean the blade, the blade, all the bladed weapons, all the bladed weapons. Oh, I yeah. love all the blade weapons. <laughs> it, yeah, and there's there's quite a few different kinds. I mean, there's the bat left that everybody knows with the kind of two handed grip, but there's also the duktog, which is kind of the, I guess it's like knife. a knife with that yeah. has the two little things that that poke out. I think that also came from Star Trek Three, um, and they've also got the mech left, which is the small handheld thing. I you probably see it most prominently in first contact when Worf brings it out when he's on the hull of the ship <laughs> to attack the Borg. Um and then interesting. Yeah, go because ahead. I like the Mechleth uh-huh. quite a bit. And since doing my DS9 rewatch, that's the one that Jadzia mm. and Worf go mm-hmm. there's an episode where they're fighting and and they're and like they you have, have to know the mechleth yeah. and the differences between the batleth and uh, right. i was like oh there's definitely advantages and like you really understand that the klingons know their weapons their mm-hmm. purpose and their advantages and disadvantages which i think is very wise for anyone who has a weapon should know right yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think it's interesting because I've been reading some more Klingon-centric novels and the Klingons themselves even have these discussions like, I think the Batleth is the best because of this. No, the Mechleth is the best because of this. No, this other bladed weapon is the best because of this. Because there's even, like, they don't give it a name, I think, in TNG, but there's this kind of long sword that Duras has. So they have something that looks more like a sword that we might be familiar with as well. So I don't know, they, they seem obsessed with the bladed weapons because I couldn't actually find too much else on bladed weapons for any other culture 
the Klingons just love love them, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Is the Dektog, is that the one that's the ceremonial no. ritual one the, that the dwarf wants his son? No, that, that actually has a different name. Uh, okay. Let me see. I think I have it because I had a longer list that I didn't put on here. It's called yeah, the... Yeah, because they definitely have like ceremonial yeah. <laughs> weapons. <laughs> they and... have all kinds of stuff. There's That's the Hegbot. It's a, the uh. ceremonial knife. But there's other things we see, like even in Birthright, when they go to that place that the Romulans are running with the, the, the Klingons, there's like this spear that they have so they have speared weapons at some right. point and there's other kind uh, there's even uh, in sins of the father where the assassins have this thing called a kutluch which is another kind of knife basically so they really go all in on these on these bladed weapons and you get the sense that like for them that's like the ultimate if you can be great at combat for that like the disruptors like yeah you have to use those when you can but I'd much rather use a bladed yeah, weapon. Yeah, the hand-to-hand. <laughs> is how they feel, yeah. You would think that their yeah. masters are, like, disrupting energy weapons and then freaking, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go kill them with these knives now, you know, sort of thing. We're like, you know, yeah. It's a tie back to their tradition before oh, they had energy yeah. weapons, too. Yeah. So, yeah. it's it, it For them, it becomes almost like a tie to ancient combat. So right. I think that's, that's well, super interesting. Well, but it's also a reflection of, like I said, like I said before, it's a reflection of the ship, too, because, I mean, like, it's... Their their ships are intimidating. I mean, it's it's all about mm. getting up close and um and uh you know creating as much damage as you can up front uh, you know up close you know because knives are such a knives and swords are such a personal weapon because you, it requires yeah. you to be close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, everywhere else is distance, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah. So. Well, and let's not forget the pain sticks either. Oh. Yeah, I debated <laughs> whether to put that in here as a weapon. Oh, it's no, we don't like need to talk ritual. about pain yeah. sticks. <laughs> Richard had that last episode. Yeah, my side's hurting talked so. About yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, my head is about to explode here from all to, uh, talking about all these weapons. But so for, for the meantime, we're going to be talking about just the phasers and handheld weapons. And you know what? Uh, we're going to break this thing into two and we're going to talk about ships next time because we're clearly talk. We've gone so long talking about this and um, uh, clearly um, Amy wants, uh, wants another tutoring lesson or at least that's what she said. Yes. So um, we'll have to, co- we'll have to um, come back to this on another time. And um, I really hope you guys enjoy this. Um, okay. So before we, before we go, we have a preview of our next episode. Justin, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so Amy's going to be out next week, but we'll be joined by Ken Tripp from Standard Orbit. We're going to talk about Captain Jellicoe. So go ahead and watch or rewatch a Chain of Command two-parter and have your thoughts on Jellicoe ready. I think we're going to have a great conversation, right, Richard? Oh, I am going to have a great conversation. <laughs> That's for sure. And if anyone doesn't know what's going on, uh, so obviously, you, uh, if you don't, if you follow Standard Orbit, you know Ken's Navy, and I'm Army. So um, <laughs> Army won, ten to seventeen, <laughs> the Army Navy game. So um, yeah, that's gonna be a great conversation. I'm gonna love him uh, on the show. That's gonna be great. So go Army. Yeah, maybe we can we can decide. Well, I mean, pretty much the uh, Starfleet is the equivalent of the Navy in the Federation, right? Yeah, or I would say so. You? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know uh, Ken's a fan of, of Jellicoe, so we'll get his thoughts and see what we think about that. 
<laughs> and I'm so I'm 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 so disappointed that you're gonna miss it, Amy. <laughs> I know I'm bummed too because I like Jellico. Okay. Oh <laughs> man, and I really Ken's okay. No, Ken's I'm okay. Sure I love Ken. <laughs> I love Ken Trip and I love Standard Orbit and I'm so bummed that it's no fair when I'm gone that you guys have fun without me. Oh, we, I'm sorry. No, we don't have that much fun while you're gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> backpedaling now. Make it sound like, like it, this is Animal House or something like that. We're all throwing toilet paper all over the place and having a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> No, I definitely am looking forward to what you guys have to say about Jellico. And yes, I'm sorry, I will not be here for that. That's okay. We'll do we'll do a, another episode that's really really fun one of these times. Okay. Again. Okay. We'll throw another Troy, well, like Troy our episode. Weapons part two. Oh, there okay. There we go. Weapons part two. Maybe maybe part two will yeah. just be about how Troy uses weapons. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh. Uh. All right, right on. <laughs> well, it's been so much fun talking about handheld weapons on of, on TNG today, but this isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. I just want to sing. After every time I hear the title of this book, I want to sing, A Time for War, A Time for Peace. <laughs> Funny, funny story. When when this was being pitched at the sales con in the sales meeting uh, at Simon and Schuster, somebody on the sales force was was worried that we that they'd have to get permission to use the titles because because it's a song by the birds and 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 John Ordover, the editor, had to gently point out that it was actually from the Bible and therefore kind of <laughs> melodic tricks. You know, I suppose as being an actor, you know, I just was really kind of feeling into Clive's character and and trying to express the emotion of what I felt like he was going through on the Sarangi. Mm -hmm. So then it became much more of a personal, individual character. It was how I experienced doing it. The 602 Club. But I look at this film as being almost three, maybe four different films. Because when we're in Krypton, Krypton, it's very sci-fi. Oh, you mean uh, excuse me, Krypton. You, yeah, you mean we, Krypton. We on Krypton. I'm yeah. sorry, Marla. Krypton. Krypton. Yes. <laughs> so when we're in Krypton, <laughs> Krypton, uh, it's very much a science fiction movie. Next thing, all of a sudden, we have Kal-El come to Earth, and now it feels very Norman Rockwell. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, totally different from what we just saw on Krypton or Krypton. To the journey! Brace for impact. Brace for impact, <laughs> yes. Okay, if, uh, I, I, I'm going to make a commitment to myself right now. If I am ever perishing in a plane crash, I am going to say brace for impact right before I die. To everyone on the plane. I will brace somehow for impact. hear it across the miles. It'll be very dramatic. You know, with some dramatic theme music playing, hopefully, just like we have in Voyager here this episode. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show.
If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best place is to join the larger conversation, the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come It should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. By the way, listeners, I'm disappointed we got no emails about Troy. Lots of great feedback on the Babel Conference on Twitter, but no emails on Troy, so... Oh. I'm a little hurt, oh, to be honest didn't, with didn't you. we? Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that, that, that's okay. That's okay. We got lots of great feedback elsewhere, right? But anyway, yeah. however you guys want to contact us is fine. If you want to email us, it might be read on the show. That's great. Babel Conference might be read on the show. That's also great. But just wanted to point out, you didn't come through on the emails for about Troy. So sorry. Watch, we get a ton of emails now. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Anyway, you can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not training on your Batleth technique in the holodeck? I don't know. I might be there a lot. I mean, I, it's a bat lift, you know, uh, it could be a dagger or, or even a short. I don't know. We'll, 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 uh, I, I might be training on everything. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, uh, but if you, if I'm, when I'm not doing that, you guys can find me on uh, Facebook. I pop in here and there on, on the Babel conference. And yes, I am on Twitter. Um, as you probably saw, if you're, if you're following me uh, for the army Navy game. Uh, but my handle is X ransom. So, Amy, when you're not in the targeting range with Garnon, uh, where can people find you? Well, you can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery with Patrick Devlin. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson doing my Deep Space Nine rewatch, and I am in season five. It's getting so good. And I am also in the Babel Conference, so you can find me there and always talk Troy with me there. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not cleaning your phaser rifle so it will work properly? Ooh, if it can still be cleaned. I don't know. It got dirty once and I had to throw it away. <laughs> but, uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Believe it or not, listeners, when this comes out, I will be tweeting out my season seven rewatch of The Next Generation. I know it's taken me like three months to get through season six with, with how busy I've been. But I'm on season seven, so pretty soon my rewatch of uh, TNG is going to sadly end. I'll have to start another rewatch at that point. So you can find me there, and you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. 
We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Kapla! Woo! Go Army, be Navy!